0: I'm Ravi Kapoor I'm an actor writer director and you are listening to trust me I know what I'm doing
1: yeah. my name is Abhay Dandekar and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community it's informal and informative adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions where each person can proudly say trust me I know what I'm doing hi everyone on this episode of trust me I know what I'm doing we share a conversation with writer, director, and actor Ravi Kapoor. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. So right from the top, a true thanks to you for listening to this, and if you feel compelled to do so, thanks for sharing a kind review or rating, for sharing it with your friends and family, and for following us on social media at Doctor of It means a lot and I'm certainly quite grateful. So true to my calling, I am a real doctor and I don't play one on TV. And some of us doctors transplant things that we hope will allow for a successful coexistence and even bring a new home and new life to both the host and the transplanted guest. Now for writer, director, and actor Ravi Kapoor, who was born and raised in Liverpool, England, art and performance were certainly part of his formative years. Ravi trained at the East 15 School of Acting and worked extensively in the UK before moving to Los Angeles in 2001. He was a series regular on Gideon's Crossing and Crossing Jordan and appeared in a number of short films and movies. His first feature as a director was the comedy-drama Miss India America, a film he co-wrote with his wife, actor Mira Simhan, and last year He wrote and directed his second feature, a comedy heist film set in the little Indian neighborhood of Artesia, California. Now, for me, the film offers a playful and very organic coming of age window into Southern California, Indian American life that I've certainly experienced myself. And Ruby's style of storytelling that combines a little Wes Anderson with highlighting those who typically don't have a voice with the occasional ladu eating contest is always compelling enough. For Samosas premiered at Tribeca and was picked up by IFC Films, so you can check it out on most of your favorite streaming options. We caught up for a conversation, which makes sense I guess because he's portrayed a shocking number of doctors on TV as an actor. And so I asked him about being a British transplant in LA and whether perhaps he thinks Britishly first, even though he's been here for over 25 years.
0: I, you know I've been here in the valley for almost 25 years now in Los Angeles and America for 25 years so I I almost feel like I've been here almost as long as I had been in England to some degrees and uh, I actually feel like I've become a little bit more American than I have English now I uh. I think my 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 viewpoint and my my entire world and my community is here now in, in so many ways I still have a little bit of bit of the English accent. And I feel like I can transcend both worlds. Mm. But I, I feel a little bit more out of touch with the with the UK side of myself a little bit.
1: Is that, I mean, obviously there's a time factor there, but are there, are there some things that perhaps you miss about being in England or in the UK um, that yeah. you just simply can't duplicate?
0: Yeah, you know, I would say in terms of, you know, I'm in the storytelling business and I miss a little bit of the focus of the storytelling in the UK which which tends to be a little bit more targeted on examining social issues examining yeah. um the, pol- the the political with a small p in terms of who we are as a culture yeah. in the UK here there's a little bit more of an emphasis on the entertainment side of it and and, yeah. and I, I I don't mean I don't think it's cut and dry I think it's just about where the greater weight is put on the on the that style of storytelling. So I miss that about the UK a little bit in terms mm. of in terms of the focus of the storytelling.
1: And and are there cultural aspects or entertainment aspects about growing up in the UK that you're perhaps nostalgic about that that maybe somehow find their way into some of the storytelling that you do?
0: I definitely think there's a uh, and there's a, an aspect in the comedy, which I think a lot of people talk about, the British humor. And uh, and I've never really been able to completely identify it, because you find it in, in, in the U.S. as well. But I think I think if you had to, there's a certain hangman's humor, and there's a, a little bit of a dryness, and there's also a little yeah. bit of a, a cutting-down humor, where yeah. nobody is ever really allowed to think of themselves as being too important or too big. And I think that's particularly yeah. also a very northern English thing as well. And I'm from sure. Liverpool. Yeah. And uh, there is a little bit of who the who do you think you are. Eh? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Don't get yeah, too yeah. big for your boots, mate. You that's know, there's right. Definitely a bit of that going on.
1: Well and and I wonder if at the same time, like there's there's the in fact joy of that kind of either comedy or the the baseline foundation of like, you know, hey, listen, don't get too big for yourself, right? Like don't break your hand patting yourself on the back kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, is that something that while that brings a little bit of value and some perhaps even joy to the work that you do, is that one of the things that perhaps you don't miss so much um, about,
0: uh, about England? <laughs> the, the, uh, the constant uh, put downs. Um. <laughs> right. In some ways, yeah, there, there is, there is definitely, uh, especially I think in, in the West coast here in California, there's, there's a, a general vibe of positivity. I mean, it, it, again, yeah. it's, it's a generalization, but I remember first coming here and people just in an elevator would just go, Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, what do you want? What do you You're want like, from me? Why? And what, right? it's like, why are you talking to me? What, what's going on? And uh, whereas in the UK, there's a, always an an initial difficulty in, in terms of connecting. But once you've had a couple of drinks, it's like Bob, Bob's your uncle and the world as your oyster That's in terms right. of relationships. Um, but there's a general vibe of connection and feeling okay, you know, here, which yeah. I kind of really appreciate as well.
1: I wonder if, um, you know, that that there's always a mixture, right? That like the idea of friendliness versus people who are kind of standoffish, there's probably more friendly people in the places that you think are standoffish, and there are probably more standoffish people in the places that you think that are friendly. But you're right, that the vibe actually does kind of make a difference, especially when you're trying to create things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also, I think in some ways with the UK as well, and, 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 and in Liverpool as well, I I maybe didn't always see what was there as well. I didn't see the friendliness mm. that really existed and the kindness and the, the sense of generosity that really exists in a city like Liverpool. I think I, sometimes when I was there, I would kind of focus on the negative aspects as well. I would focus yeah. on the, the aggression or the racism or the attacks and it would mitigate it, or it would, it would make, make me blind to what was very positive there as well, which is a kindness, which is a great sense of humor as well.
1: You're a. we were just chatting that our kids are almost the same age and you're a dad. Now, do you think your kids have a sense of that kind of contrast that, you know, that that's a different world that you grew up in and perhaps have a different sense of what that kind of edginess or or for that matter, what the generosity and the giving were in that era, in that time frame compared to what they're experiencing now? And in fact, what they're experiencing now through you and your art.
0: Mm hmm. I think it's really interesting. It's like I, I feel like my oldest kid has really uh, somehow picked up on the dry English humor, on the, the yeah. very kind of uh, the the undercutting kind of humor. I don't sure, know where he got yeah. it from, but uh, <laughs> I I maybe he just got it from me, or he picked it up uh, tangentially somehow. But I I do often think in terms I like, go oh God, would my kids survive in the UK if they grew up in the UK? Yeah. If you yeah. you transported them back there because it is a very different atmosphere. It's a, it's a very different place. And I, my kids are so Californian in that sense. And <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, if the sun isn't shining, then, you know, the world is falling down. Correct. Everywhere. But,
1: you know, um, I imagine that people have resilience in, in different ways and you throw them into different environments and they adapt and, and they become more versatile.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was like, we were just talking about my, you know, my older kid is in New York now and I've been surprised how how much he's taken to the city and how much he's he's at he he can handle the rough and tumble off it and uh and the um and the cold as well. And yeah, in in some ways, he has surprised me. It's like maybe they're not as soft as I thought they were. (laughs) And I
1: think that like you hear that from people on the east coast and west coast or people coming from India versus you know in California that like, oh god, what do you mean you don't hang out with your neighbors or what do you mean you don't do this? and and you know the culture is always so so different. I was thinking about this because I think the greater Indian diaspora in places like England or Africa or you know the sort of global diaspora are, are just so different when it comes to being South Asian. Definitely anywhere outside of the United States, because of a perhaps more mature, more evolved um, sense of community with several more generations as a backdrop. So, does storytelling? now for you for these audiences become different meaning that like you know the storytelling that you're doing for the indian american audience would be definitely different for perhaps how you would tell a story for the british indian audience or the african
0: yeah for sure i remember when i first came here i had a real struggle to begin with in terms of trying to figure out who my audience was and what the stories were Because it was such a different, it was a different upbringing and it was a different history with the community of South Asians here and in America and this community in the UK. Obviously, also in the UK, there was a real, there was a real working class community a lot more. It was a a real blue collar community and immigrant immigrant community, including my parents, you know, my dad worked on the railways and worked in a factory and did all that kind of stuff. Whereas here in the, the US generally initially it was more of an educated south asian immigration sure. that happened here There were the, the doctors and lawyers and engineers so the storytelling was very different as well and then the when i was growing up in the uk in the in the 80s and 90s there was a real sense of pride about the british asian culture and yeah. there was a real sense of um identity call out and and claiming of of the music and the diffusion the of, of of the the arts and theater and film and television it, there was a real sense of this is me and this is who we are yeah. and a sense of pride and then when i came here the, obviously you know the, we had been here like you say for fewer generations yeah and also it was a, it was a different kind of community it was more sporadic it was more spread out there wasn't a real sense of cohesiveness and identity uh, in some ways. And so it did take me a, a, a good moment, a, a good couple of years to really figure out what are the stories here and how can I tell them and what's my in on the stories as well. And I would have to say a lot of a lot of my in ended up becoming through my wife, Mira, who's a, an actor and a writer. and. Yeah. Finding my way in through her stories, and so initially, like my first feature, Miss Miss India America, we wrote together. It was based a little bit more on on her the environment she grew up in in Orange County, and being uh from more of that kind of class of uh, South Asian people. Um, so it, it's I think very definitely different stories, and it it definitely took me a moment to figure out what the what the stories were here.
1: You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with writer, director, and actor Ravi Kapoor. Stay tuned. Conversation—it's the antidote to apathy and the catalyst for relationships. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Tam France, and you are listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing.
1: Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation now with Ravi Kapoor. And because your experience definitely was sort of a coming of age experience in that sort of mid 90s uh, early 2000s era and building more community in that way has it also been different through the storytelling with you and your wife and even now as a parent have you gotten a a different sense of kind of that contrast and has it blended has it blurred in some ways for for how you think now
0: I, you know, I think it has because I, I even think about you know the, my second feature, for *Foursimosis*. In some ways, it's dealing with more of a working class community within within California. The the, the characters yeah. are all living on the fringes. They're they're not the rich, well-to-do kind of people. Their parents are not engineers and doctors. So I think that there has been a greater class of uh, a blue-collar working-class South Asian community that's kind of been built up here. You know, driving yeah. cabs and, and working in the stores. And so in some ways, I see myself in, in their stories more than I see myself in in the yeah. other stories a little bit more, which has allowed me to kind of dip in to those, those worlds a little bit more and even kind of dip into uh, to looking at some of the initial stories of the Gujaratis coming into this country and opening up motels yeah. and everything as well. It, those are the kind of things that trigger my imagination and I have a sense of connection to, I think, because of my upbringing. And also, I have to say, I I would love to go back to the UK and and tell tell stories there again and and look back at my history there and and see how it impacted me and what it meant for my generation and my parents' generation coming into the Mm. UK.
1: And I wonder if the stories that you're telling of this particular aspect of being an Indian American, and even in that, from your lens of things, I, I wonder... In sharing with your some of your colleagues and friends in in England, how that resonates? Like, do they do they actually share the same kind of vibrancy and saying, "Oh yeah, this this actually is something of quite you know high value and interest to us"? Or is that sort of like, "But that, that's old hat. We've been there and done that so many times."
0: It's really interesting because we you know we took the film for Forcemosos out to a festival in London, uh, Raindance Film Festival, and and there was a bunch of people that I knew that I hadn't seen for many years that came to see the film. And a lot of south uh, british asians as, as we're called over there and they they would kind of watch the film and they were like oh oh you know there's a real sense of in some ways surprise i think yeah ab- about who we are here as south asian americans american south asians yeah I'm getting my terminology is all messed up um yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I don't know if there was a sense of, so much a sense of connection and going, yeah, I recognize that. It was almost like, oh, you guys are a little different, aren't you? You're a little different from us. There's a little bit of a different vibe about who you are and what you are. So I think that that there's a little bit of connection, but I also think there's also, there's also, there is a different upbringing. There is a, there's a different experience, I think.
1: Almost like celebrating that nuance a little bit, but at least recognizing it and, you know, not perhaps scoffing at it and just sort of like not being open to saying, hey, this is something that I, I would love to learn about. Yeah. I'm curious about one thing you spent a lot of time as an actor and sort of playing a lot of relatively stereotypical or formulaic roles, right? I mean, a doctor, a terrorist, a, a swami or a mom and um, gas station attendant, etc. As you reflect back uh, on all those roles, but now thinking given where, you know, Hollywood and indian america or south asian america are right now what are some of your thoughts and and reflections on on how that evolution has
0: happened yeah you know i have played a lot of doctors um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i played a a lot of doctors they should just give me a degree and get it over with now that's right yeah or whatever i should an md sorry and i should just go out there and practice um it's in some ways i think you see it in every kind of immigrant community and you see it in in every country as well there are there's a there's a journey that needs to be taken by certain people that need to lay the groundwork and that they just because of where the culture is at and the before my generation of actors that were here there were other south asian actors that were there before me as well sure and you have to honor that to some degrees in terms of what they had to go through because of where the culture was at was way more limited and narrow than than yeah. what we had. Now, when I look at the generation below us in terms of what they are able to do and the kind of roles that are written, being written for them and they are creating for themselves, it has become night and day. It's um, yeah. it, The world seems to be their oyster now. And I think particularly over the past couple of years, as as the culture has changed and people have become more open to it, stories from other communities, there's definitely a sense of excitement about the possibilities of what they can do. What was available to us when we first came, came, started working here, which was, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, we were having to fit into quite a narrow box. And the thing for, I know for me and I I know for a, a lot of artists in my generation we had to not think we were just playing stereotypical roles. We yeah. always had to think: I've been given a role. How do I make this role human? How do I make this? How how do I give history to this character? How do I make it feel like this isn't just about a profession that I'm portraying, but it's actually a full human being with a full yeah. background? And so we always had to, even though on, from the outside there was a sense of of um a narrow a narrow box we had to just fill it we had to continually fill it and part part of that was you know we had in some ways we had to be good we had to be good at those roles even and in order to the next person that came along would be trusted a little bit more as well and it, and we didn't do it necessarily for the future generations we were doing it sure. for ourselves for survival but it, for that survival we had to we had to be as good as we possibly could and we had to make these characters as deep as we could as well yeah and it still exists i'm still playing a shit ton of doctors it's like don't get me wrong it's like um (laughs) yeah that that part maybe
1: won't won't end so
0: fast right (laughs) i I know i mean i hope it does (laughs) but again if i play a doctor though you i'm you i'm gonna know who my doctor is and where he's coming from and what he's feeling and 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 what his history is
1: you know, we, we appreciate the empathy, uh, but I, I have to ask you this a kind of a tangential thought here, but and bear with me for this. Uh, I, I was listening to Charles Barkley the other day on, on, a, on one of the NBA shows, and, and he clearly, clearly was either upset or very much taken aback with the difference between what his generation of athletes had to put up with in the NBA and what they did, playing all 82 games and going through all kinds of stuff. And today's NBA athlete who is doing load management and taking nights off and not necessarily <laughs> playing every game and that kind of thing, you know, so, th- and that exists in every profession. I mean, doctors of my generation, oh, we worked 80 hours and climbed uphill, like, you know, um, both ways to work and that kind of uh-huh. thing versus people people today. Is there any sense of that in the industry where there's just kind of like, look, I I had to go through some stuff as, as an actor in my generation or for generations before that, where there's sort of this kind of like, you know, yes, we, we are still perhaps locked into our tribes and we, and we, we do have that sense of difference between what it was like to be an actor then versus what it's like now. And boy, you guys really have no idea what it was, what it was all about. And, and it's a disservice and that kind of thing. I mean, I I hope that makes some tangential sense what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think, you know, Sometimes we, we look at the, again, uh, uh, the generation below us in terms of within the South Asian ethnic community, and some people kind of recognize the history of, of, you know, who came before them and who came before us as well. Yeah. Um. Some of them, some don't and think they're the, they're they're inventing the wheel and they're the they're the very first and yeah and and they look at us also maybe in a dismissive way and go oh, how could you do that how could you uh sure how could you play the doctor or how could you do the accent um yeah for, for some people they there is a sense of they're the first the best and the brightest and that they're, they're gonna break it all they're gonna break it all down break the walls down yeah yeah Nobody breaks the walls down in one go. It's like we're, we've all been chipping away at it, you know, and we took a yeah. couple of bricks down and then the next generation will take some more bricks and hopefully sure. eventually there won't be a wall. But um, so some people get it, some people don't. And, and it's not my job as well to kind of point it out. It's like you, you right. know it or you don't know if you care or you don't care.
1: You're not going to be the Charles Barkley of the group,
0: or no, no, no. And <laughs> it's like all I can do is just kind of keep making, doing my work, and continue to try and stay relevant in in this sure. world that we have right now. And if unless it unless it helps me, I kind of um, create more work and 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 continue to be excited about the work that I'm doing. Then yeah, it's kind of like they know it or they don't know it. And Godspeed to them, and I hope they do, you know, turn sure. on the wall. You, you made
1: Miss India America about eight years ago, and I'm curious for you, what was that transition like, um, going from acting to directing?
0: You know, I've always been writing and, and directing as well. I I wrote and directed plays in the UK. That was so. When I, when I actually came to the US, I actually thought I was going to be a writer, but again, through this whole thing of not really knowing what my stories were here, I ended up going back into acting, and then I made the transition in terms of directing and writing f- for film. For the, I was on a TV show as a series regular. Crossing Jordan for six years and I started shadowing on that show in the penultimate season. And then they gave me an episode to direct in in the final season. And so that in in some ways became my my film school education was being on that show constantly on set every day and then shadowing these directors and, and working the process from the very beginning to the very end. And I kind of came away going, oh, I, I, I want to continue this and, I, and this is fantastic, but I want to really figure out what my own stories are. And so I went away and started doing shorts and I wrote and directed yeah. a couple of shorts that did well at festivals and then yeah. eventually got to Miss India America. And, and I always feel that writing and directing aspect for me, having done it in, in the theater as well, I've always loved that i've always kind of felt like it's used the, the most part of me i think it's it demands so much more of your imagination or, or, sure. or my imagination and of your skill sets just as a as, as a person that's dealing with other human beings on in the in the creative community that you have so it's um i definitely feel a greater sense of reward in terms of mm. personally and fulfillment yeah. with the writing and directing it's something that i'm, I'm passionate about and excited about doing and wanting to can Continue doing that
1: when you made that film and made that transition, then and bringing a sort of different gratification, a different joy. How was that perhaps related to, or for that matter, how did it prepare you in that sort of arc to then go on and make Four Samosas?
0: It was interesting with Miss India America because, like you said, we I think we shot her about a year ago and it got released about seven years ago six seven years ago and i feel in some ways we were a little bit ahead of our time to some degree As if we were making a, a south asian feature which was female forward in, in many ways as well um, mm-hmm. all our main characters were, were female it wasn't about identity it, it wasn't about am i indian am i american we kind of decided to move on from that and just make an authentic story yeah. about the, the this girl growing up in orange county and dealing with, with this this issue this coming-of-age issue she had and trying to grow as a human being we 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 can now talk about God. If we'd made that film, you know, th- three years or four years later, when the the whole culture kind of opened up, it would have done so much better. But what it did kind of make me realize was a couple of things. One that, the, that there is power in in the community of South Asian storytellers, and for me as a creative, that there is support there that um maybe exists strong more stronger than in the in the wider community. That people want to see south asian stories as well mm-hmm. that, that people are hungry for them and it also made me kind of go oh i should also kind of lean in i later came came to realize that i needed to lean in a little bit more to a very my own very specific quirks of storytelling that i want to do mm-hmm. as well yeah. but it's, it's a film that we love and a film that i'm proud of and I, and the cast is freaking incredible and yeah it's a it's a fun coming of age comedy that we're, we're really really proud of You're
1: listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with writer, director, and actor, Ravi Kapoor. Stay tuned. Every story told is a lesson learned, and every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, my name is Priya Arora, and I'm an editor, writer, critic, and activist. And you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Hey there, and welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. I'm Abhay Arndekar, and let's rejoin our conversation now with Ravi Kapoor that the realization that allowing for some of your quirks and to some degree sort of like having the licensure and the agency to let those quirks blossom a little bit, was that necessary in being able to now say that, hey, you know, especially for Four Samosas and the process, you know, in writing and, and directing that one, do you feel that those those quirks were able to now come out?
0: Yeah, and, and in some ways it was about me going back to my short films that I'd done before Miss Indie America. It was kind yeah. of returning to to those that that style of storytelling that I, I kind of had a, a strong sense of enjoyment, and it it was about that process as well of between Miss Indie America and doing the second film. I've been trying to get a bit bigger budget movie off the ground, a couple of them, yeah. and they almost happened, they didn't happen, and a, a large chunk of time passed that by by that point, and it would it had led to uh, led me to a point of kind of frustration of going what's going on? Why am I not making, why I'm not making more? Why haven't I done anything for a while? And how do I, how do I make something and make something that I, I, maybe it's just about making something that I really want to see and really, really kind of pushing into that. And I, I, you know, in some ways the mantra that kind of came up in my head was about just making the film for myself and for nobody else, not imagining an audience out there to watch it and maybe a couple of other people would really like it and if that's so that's great and uh yeah. and it's it's interesting when you do that that you begin to see that there's a tribe out there that you never knew existed for you that yeah. there's a, a group of people with with like-minded sensibilities that might want to come along for the journey as well so i think it, it the the frustration of the, of those six years of not making anything And trying to make, and and also those six years of trying to make something that I thought other people would like, as opposed to trying to make something that I would really like, was a big transition for me.
1: Did did that idea and concept and confidence in making a film that's really about you and what you like, and even the frustration of that time gap and some of the efforts and the challenges that you were overcoming in that time gap, did that did that help you pitch a film like? Four Samosas, which is an Indian American playful heist film uh, to investors and distributors. How, how did that kind of in some ways fuel or accelerate the journey, especially when you were trying to pitch this film?
0: Yeah, it is interesting because I think it does come across. I think your passion for anything that you, you want to do and you want to create always does come across. And so, especially when you're pitching a film to and you know we had, had it was all private equity investment, so we were going to people and saying, "Hey, give me give me some of your hard-earned dollars," and and yeah. we want to make this. We want to make this feature, and this is why we feel like we should do it. That in some ways you can't hide, and you have to your your truth will will come out because people will question it, and right. they will look you yeah. in the eye and go, "Really, you really want to make this film? You really believe it's <laughs> going to do okay?" And and why we never know if it's going to do okay all we can say is I really feel like this is a movie that I can bring my heart to. And I can, and I think I I know I'm going to enjoy it and I'm hopeful that other people are going to enjoy it too. But I think definitely the desire to make something very specific was very strong in me.
1: I I mean, and and that's, that's sort of a compelling contrast though, right? Making a movie that you really feel proud of that is your heart is in the art and that you made for yourself, but at the same time, you have to be mindful of perhaps what investors and and equity is out there is going to also kind of align and, and build allyship with that. Is there a significant tension there that is sort of always going to be at odds with each other?
0: I think there is a dance that you have to dance when you're, when you're, when you're pitching things and you're looking for, to bring people along with you on a journey you have your your deeper desires and then you also, then you have to figure out what how does it align with other people's desires and obviously yeah. for an investor th- the reason why they they might invest in a movie is it might be because they 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 want to see the story told and they want to see more south yeah. Asian stories or they may, may want to make some money back um yeah. and so you have to figure out how, to, how does your desire align with their desire and so it's not like we, we go in, into making a film and saying that we expect it to fail. And, you know, we, go, we, we go into it going, we, we really hope this hits a zeitgeist you know, and, yeah. and, and gets us somewhere. But we're not going to do it by, by trying to preempt what we think everybody is going to want to watch. Because I just don't think you you can. I think that you know, our, our field is littered with an attempt to pregame what we think is going to be successful. Sure. And, and when you do that, you're as, as likely to succeed and fail as if you made something that you just really believed in.
1: Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a lagoo eating contest? And, and and for that matter, have you ever been in a lagoo eating contest with an investor?
0: <laughs> no, Maybe that should just be the pitch. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, that would be a great pitch. If I can eat more laddus than you, then, you have, to give me, <laughs> then you, have, you have to give me your money. You have to invest. <laughs> right. Oh, God, I think I would probably lose that one, though, I'd be. <laughs> Yeah, I? Yeah, I'm not sure. As
1: a as a physician, I may not recommend that, but it would, it would certainly be <laughs> a lot of fun. There's a lot
0: of ghee in those laddus, right?
1: There you go. You know, you've got this great, almost whimsical ode to Artesia Boulevard and, and Indian America, especially in Southern California. But that there are definitely some undertones and themes of, like you said, sort of like this is a working class set of characters. There's definitely some themes of wealth distribution and class and equity, um, even within the movie. Uh, you know, are there are there some important? Was that important for you to make sure that that was part of the movie, um, or was that just sort of a natural byproduct of your own storytelling?
0: I think it was just a natural byproduct I wasn't looking to make any big political kind of commentary yeah um, with it I think my my natural tendency is to identify with the outsiders and with the the people on on the edges and the fringes and just find them just generally more interesting and I'm fascinated to know how do we how do we turn how do we turn the the people who are who don't have, a, don't have a, a given sense of power, how do we make them the kings and queens of our stories? How do we make them the heroes and the heroines of our stories? How do we make the, the, the man on the street who's in the wheelchair making his journey to the, to the local store for his pint of milk, how do we make that journey epic? His his yeah. journey an epic journey and and recognize the heroism in that as well so that's my natural tendency to look at those characters and want to know how to how do I elevate them and so i think that just happened very naturally
1: almost a you know a great amplification but that just sort of inherently is woven into the film perhaps instead of being completely intentional
0: yeah for sure for sure and it, if 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 some if people gain something from that yeah. or a sense of uh, empathy for, and for, for somebody who they don't know normally in society or don't kind of connect with, then, then great. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: I, I read a piece where you were quoted as saying that the very act of expression through art can give a sense of value. At, at this stage in your career now as a director and a writer and an actor, are, are you finding even more joy that's sparks and speaks to the content and the nuance and the quality of that act, that therefore brings even more value to the work that you're doing and and your sort of ongoing aspirations.
0: Yeah, I mean it's really interesting. It's um, you know as an artist we 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 have this desire to express ourselves, but also we, we live in this world and we need to make money as well. We need to make a living as well. So yeah. we're always trying to figure out how do we how do we find that balance. Um, but I do recognize the value that the art gives me on an intrinsic level of of just my sense of sense of self worth, and yeah. I think that even people who are not professional storytellers or art, artists or musicians, but who do engage with an art form in one way or another, either as somebody who's deeply loves to go watch something or or plays an instrument. Just for ten minutes a day, on a, as a way of as a way of connecting with something, I do believe that art can give us a, a sense of our sent ourselves as individuals and ourselves as worthwhile human beings on this planet in this moment in time as well, and make us make us feel more than just the, another cog in the wheel. I mm. do think it's incredibly powerful art in terms of being able to make us feel special for a moment, even even if nobody's watching us.
1: It is the act of, of that creation or the act of that engagement, as you said, in art, is that as valuable? Or in a parallel way, is the art itself of even greater value? Does it have to be mutually exclusive?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. If you can then share that art and, and other people connect to it as well, then then yeah that in some ways you're you're not you yes you're commodifying that that piece of art by putting it out there but you're also often you're not commodifying it because you don't get any money for it but you are what you're then doing is creating community with that art as well which is the the other byproduct of creating art is that i think we do most of the things that we do in order to connect with other human beings and and therefore to create community in one one form or another so then when we take that art out there we are we're intrinsically saying hey this is me i exist this is who i am and uh see me and i think we're all just saying see me and then i see you when you see me and this is one way of doing it and art isn't the only way of of saying hey see me you know it's like you're a pediatrician and you're, you're saying see me and see my value and see what I can, see what I can contribute as well to sure. this world. So the, the, there are many forms and ways of doing yeah. it, but I, I think our is obviously an incredibly powerful way to do that.
1: Well, we're appreciative of it. We hope that the community continues to help celebrate it and that it brings great joy and value to to you and yours. Ravi, thanks so much for joining us. What, what a terrific treat to chat with you and
0: I hope we can do it again soon. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you, Abe, and I appreciate you having me on.
1: Thanks so much, Ravi. You know, in the end, let's just make it simple for everyone. We really do need each other, and we really don't need guns. And with more guns, pretty soon we won't have each other. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darnika.